The Healing the City podcast is a ministry of the Village Church in Tucson, Arizona. If you enjoy the Healing the City podcast and wish to support it financially, you can go to villagersonline.com, click the We Give tab, and follow the instructions. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Healing City Podcast. My name's Eric Siepen, and I have Adrian Crawford, a longtime host who's taken a two-year hiatus from hosting, but usually hear her interviewing people, is now just hanging out with me. Her life is back to some kind of normal. Yes, pre-COVID life. Nothing's ever going to be the same, but no. here we are. I think we're here for 10 years at least when it comes <laughs> yes. to COVID. Yes. Wow. Well... The crazy thing over the last two years is that you have a new son, and that was unexpected. Absolutely. And, and so his name is Micah. And can you explain to me like how you ended up uh, adopting him and just can give us a little bit of your story so people can, I don't know, just hear what God did? Yeah, it's it's actually an amazing story that's worth knowing, so I'm happy to share it. Micah was born in May of 2018. And the Tucson Medical Center social workers have my contact information so that if a child with Down syndrome is born, they can contact me if the parents would like a visit from someone who is a parent. And so I happened to get this phone call to visit a new baby who is in the NICU. And I got to meet with the parents and bring them some resources and get connected with them. And so we became distant friends where she would text me if she had questions or needed anything. I was able to find some baby things in our community and bring them to them because they didn't really have anything for the baby. Um... I spent two hours at least in the hospital that day spending time with the biological parents, which was really special. It was a really great visit. And so they moved away and she and I would text them. Um, Micah had open heart surgery at six months. It was a major surgery. And so I still have the text messages from that day when she contacted me to let me know so I could be praying and, and things like that. And so eventually they moved back into Arizona and my husband was the pediatrician. Um, But she didn't contact me much. And because obviously a HIPAA, like I didn't know, you know, when he was being seen or anything like that. I know now because I have all the medical records from his entire life. But um, she called me in January of 2020 to let me know that he had been removed from the home. And it was one of the hardest phone calls that I've ever taken. Um, She was sobbing and her story wasn't the same as, you know, the story that I later got from DCS. Um, But I always tried to hold her story with, you know, integrity and empathy because it was her version of the story. So I had agreed to help her with whatever she needed to do to get him back. Uh, But she never contacted me again. And so 
I remember hanging up the phone and I called David in tears and I was like, I don't know how you do this all day because he carries a lot of heavy stories in his office. You know, he's a doctor, but he's also a listener. And so um, it's heavy listening to stories like this. And so um, several months went by and, you know, I was doing my life. I thought about him from time to time, but I didn't know anything. I didn't know where he was. I didn't know who the foster parents were. I didn't know anything until it was probably April or May. David contacted me to let me know that a foster mom was going to be getting in touch with me because she had him and she didn't know that I had had contact with the parents. She didn't know I knew who he was. She only knew that she had found his David as the pediatrician and started bringing him to him and she wanted him to be in our home. But she didn't necessarily know why. She's a Christian and she probably messed with the wrong person because she probably didn't realize how fast I can get stuff done when I'm motivated. And so when she presented the idea that he could potentially come and be in our home, I got right to work. I called the lawyer that day, his lawyer. But there was a major hiccup, which is that his he's 50% American Indian, part of one of our local tribes here in town. And so, and we are not American Indian. Um, we have no, uh, and you don't need, yeah, you just need a, basically what they say, a drop of blood. Um, because the Indian Child Welfare Act came into federal law, I think in 1978. And it's a, it's an important law and it protects children from being displaced from their communities because we have a long history in this country of removing American Indian children and putting them in white families where they lost their cultural ties. And so it was a law that was used to protect families. And there's some incredible podcasts out there. Um, If people are interested, we can link them to this, um, a story, a few different stories about the challenges of the law, the importance of it, et cetera. But I had to admit to the lawyer that we did not meet the criteria to be in what they would call an equal placement. But after the lawyer met, so this child has his lawyer, his mom has a lawyer, his dad has a lawyer, DCS has a lawyer because he's a member of the tribe. The tribe has a lawyer. So there's multiple involvement in this case. And so everybody had to agree for him to be moved into our home. And so while the lawyer was getting ready to propose to the judge that he be moved, we were busy doing all the kinship paperwork because they had agreed since David knew him as a physician, he could be a kinship placement. I've later learned that this might have been a little bit of a stretch of the word kinship, (laughs) but, oops, sorry, (laughs) alarms are going off. Um, But... You know, you can't really mess with what God wants for someone. And so I I continue to trust that God wanted him in our home. So we had to do some major renovations on our 
pool fencing because even though we had a fence around the pool, it wasn't the right height, et cetera. They're very, obviously they want to, they're in the business of protecting children. So we had to comply with every hurdle and get, you know, physical exams and paperwork. It took a really long time to get it all done, but we did. And they fast tracked our home study. It was, it was quite miraculous. And all this is happening between April and July of 2020, which is there's no vaccines yet and COVID is still really scary. And so no one's doing anything in person. My goodness. So even our home study, we would do it over Zoom and did then you like walk around with the camera. Yeah. Yeah. For the kinship we did. <laughs> oh my goodness. When we became officially licensed, they came to the house. But okay. yeah. So anyway. So on July, I believe it was July 13th, he became, so we would do visits with him. I should backtrack a second. Hold on. David presented this idea to me that there was a child that needed a home who I knew and that, you know, maybe we could consider being placement, which would mean that we would be open to adopting because they wouldn't move a child from a, a, from a safe foster placement to another just foster placement if there was no longevity to it because this foster mom is in her 70s and she just knew that she couldn't be a forever placement. So, and and even to backtrack more, if I remember correctly, you guys were in the place of if we're going to have a child, God's going to have to tell us to have another child in our house. Yes, absolutely. We were done at three and we were happy with our three. And I follow a mom who has adopted two kids with Down syndrome. And, and so that was one of the things that happened to her with the second one was that she was asked. So I kind of clung to that of like, I want to be asked. I don't want to chase it because it's hard. Right. And so I told David, no. I said, absolutely not. We're not adopting a two-year-old. There's no way. <laughs> Which if anyone knows, David and I, that's the opposite of our story. Exactly, right? I, I, that's not... Which is why you know this is more likely from God than... Yes. So I was on... Even on a run one day, I was telling my friend and I was like, man, may, I can maybe help him get find a home, but it's not going to be this one. And David just kept telling me he was so cute and I should give it a chance. But I just felt really afraid of all the challenges that we've experienced with Bentley over year, over the years. And to do that all over again just felt like more than I wanted for my life. Mm -hmm. So I agreed to meet him. And of course, like I said, I had to be really careful because, he, you know, we have a a woman who's much older, who's like, he had been in just in her home. They weren't going out anywhere. Um, and da with David being exposed to COVID a little bit and then me not going, it just, you know, it's hard to remember how crazy it was in those months, Yes, but it was. And so she was so gracious and we met, I think the first time was, uh, I can't even remember. I think she brought him to our house and she left him for a couple hours and I completely fell in love and that was it. I just, mm -hmm. the kids clung to him so fast and it had to be a family decision because I wasn't going to take in a child if they weren't on board, but they just adored him. And Clayton especially can play with him over and over and over again and do the same goofy things. Mm -hmm. And then I caught even Lily yesterday 
making mud pies with him for like an hour in the backyard. So. Yeah, so I immediately fell in love with him, and then I started doing the paperwork and et cetera. Sorry, I kind of mixed some of it. It's all kind of a jumble of memories. Sure. Everything felt kind of it was happening at once, but there was the initial decision. So I, there was also the fear of loving a child who might not get to stay because we had done foster care here 17, 16 years ago. Isn't that crazy? so crazy and I didn't realize how quickly I could fall in love with a child um, and so it was painful to say goodbye to both of those girls and the second one especially because we were so close to being able to adopt her and they said no at the last minute because of us moving to Michigan I was crushed for, I couldn't talk about it without crying for at least a year, which just meant that I, you know, was very emotionally connected to her. Sure, yeah. And she had an intellectual disability also. And so it just felt so unfair to just drop her off and know I was never going to come back and she would never understand why. It would yeah. just be part of her story that would never, she could never articulate, you know, because mm. she had so few words. But, so the idea of doing that again was was terrifying, but I really felt like if God wanted him, he would just continue to open doors and we would love him. And I want to add that in the beginning, my heart was for him to go home to his biological parents. We yeah. prayed for them every night during the day. I was rooting for them. I don't want to share too much about their story, but I just will say that time showed me that maybe that wasn't going to be an option that was possible. Mm. And so my heart began to switch from wanting what was best for the biological family to wanting what was best for him and for us, which at some point became the adoption. So we um, – Continued to bond with him. And yeah, he was officially placed with us in mid-July. And by November 30th, that's funny, yesterday, one year ago yesterday, hmm. the rights were severed. And so we moved from being a foster placement to a potential long-term placement. But because of ICWA and making sure that so you, the biological parents after severance get two weeks to file a petition and then um so you basically are like in limbo for two weeks and then they make it official but then in this case we had to get permission from the tribe that they would agree for us to be an adoptive placement so they did agree and then we had to get officially licensed um just for our own sake and because the state switched to a new computer system and covid and a mix of things it took a really really long time for the adoption to happen and so he wasn't officially adopted until august 12th of 2021 and that was a very exciting day but it was on a computer <laughs> and oh. so it just had it was beautiful because we recorded it, and I don't know if we would have been able to in a courtroom. I'm not sure, but um, 
the judge, both the, so it was two different judges. There was a judge during his, like as a foster child, and then there was the adoption judge. And both of them were so encouraging. And um, I will say that the end, the end of like when it was coming to severance, they were probably, we had to go to court over the phone four or five times because of different delays and Mm. petitions and things. And so in the, it became a little bit uh, teeth teeth gritting at the end. Right, right. Um, So it's been like such a joy to bring him in our home. It's been really seamless. He just fits right in. And he has bonded with everyone in the family really well. He and Bentley have the relationship that you would expect kind of get at each other a little bit, mostly because Bentley, you know, messes with him. Right. <laughs> he doesn't like it. <laughs> Everyone else kind of coddles him. But <laughs> Bentley's like, mm, you're not supposed to have that. And, you know, Micah disagrees. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's been cool to see what God, like I had just gotten into seminary and was taking class a class and yeah. I was planning to go all the way through and adopting Micah meant I don't have time to devote eight hours on a Saturday to writing papers in addition to like the you know daily hour work and stuff so I decided that seminary wasn't like he was going to take priority over some of the dreams that I had had um, which wasn't a hard choice. It was a little bit of like a, you know, I think I've always wanted to go back and get more of a degree and kids, having kids has always been the thing that's kept me away from it. Sure. I think I'm just a lifelong mom. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just learning to embrace that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that gets us. Yeah, it gets us to right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to to backtrack a little bit, just for people who might not even know you, uh, your husband is David, and you guys have been married for how long? I think this is seventeen. We got married in two thousand five. I can't do math. So yeah, this was seventeen years. So married seventeen years, and you have now four kids your yeah. oldest is bentley and how old is bentley he's 13 and then you've got clayton he'll be 12 on the 25th of december and then lily just turned 10 and micah is three three he'll be four in may okay mm-hmm. yeah so that's kind of a picture of your family yeah um your husband as you said is a, is a doctor uh-huh and uh yeah. So, and right now you're in a big remodeling project to kind of accommodate yes. <laughs> the new kid. And your house is kind of a weird designed house anyway. And so it's just sort of making some sense of that yes. long term. Um, is there, so I, I've also, because I know you relatively well, you have talked about long term possibly bringing more children into your home. Do you still have the sense of, we want to be asked, or do you see do you and David see something further down the road that might look like bringing people into your home, kids into your home? What does that look like at this moment in time in your head? Yeah, so at this moment in time in our heads, the remodel or renovation project includes wheelchair accessible entrances and bathrooms. 
because we would like to potentially be foster parents again. I do believe in family, um, um, bringing families back together. Um, And so, and I think I'm at a place in my life now at 39 where I have my arms and my heart is full and I could gladly bring in more children and adopt them and love them. But I could also support a birth mom who just needs some extra help and resources or love or encouragement to do whatever it takes to get her kids back. So I don't want to do it necessarily to adopt children, although, like I said, we would absolutely adopt them um, if it was the right, you know, circumstances. But I would like to support moms. And the system is... The system is so broken. It's so overwhelming. And they don't make it easy for foster parents at all because they expect. So let me just give you some examples. When a child is placed into a home, after a certain amount of time, depending on the situation, visits become the a child gets is, you know, there's a an obligation to make sure that children and parents are having visits. Right. And so the question is, who who does the transporting? Well, they take children and they transport them to the wherever the parents are. So if a child is placed in Phoenix and the parents are in Tucson, they bring the child down and it's a you know, it's a long drive. And so I mean, that's kind of an issue that we're faced with because we don't have enough drivers and people and then they have these drivers are not paid well. And so sometimes they show up in cars that don't have air conditioning. They show up in cars that are barely running and they sometimes have to transport the children. Maybe it's 20 minutes or maybe it's two hours. And it's just a mess. And so, and they'll tell the foster families, like, we're going to pick up baby G at 7 a.m. or 3 p.m. And they don't ask you, like, hey, what's your family doing on Saturday? Can we come pick up baby G at three? They just tell you, well, what if your kid has a soccer game? Or what if it's their nap time? Or what if they, it just, these things, they they compound on top of each other. So you have, you know, visits that you're supposed to be at and family meetings you're supposed to be at. So it's it's a lot to be a foster parent. It's very um disruptive to your family and to your family rhythms but these children need homes and so that's why it's a ministry and a sacrifice because you don't do it for the money i mean there's you know you don't do it for any reason other than it's a ministry in my mind i wouldn't do it for anything that so we will have to choose whether or not we're going to do foster placement of typically typically developing children or children Uh, what they call CDH homes, child developmental homes. So children with um, intellectual disabilities or with uh, medical needs, children who have disabilities from the traumas they've experienced, like traumatic brain injuries and things like that also. Uh, General foster care, the problem is that the kids have oftentimes just as great of needs and and typically more emotional like needs um, and there's less support for the families than if you're just a CDH placement, but there's less children who are CDH placements because 
um, they just try and keep it general, if, general foster care if they can. So anyway, the remodel includes enough room that we could take. I would never, I don't imagine that we'll take more than one family. So I could see us taking more than one child, but not more than one family. Cause then you still have to deal with all those lawyers and appointments and stuff. Right. So I could just see doing one family at a time. Um, but you know, it's hard to imagine what it's going to be like in two years when Bentley's yeah. 15 and Clayton's 14 and Lily's 12, you know, like that yeah. might be the time we'll to bump it one more year forward and you have three teenagers in yeah. your house. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so you might have to come to me for counseling. Just I, to absolutely. I know. <laughs> it was so funny because I started thinking about how they were going to graduate and be gone within three years. You know, one would graduate and then the next and then I get a year off and then Lily would be gone and I would get like teary eyed. Now we have Micah, like, oh, yeah, we'll still have several more years. <laughs> but I, yeah, I definitely want to start reading teenager books because it's coming. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what God has for our family. Our kids are so welcoming and loving, and I could see it as a way that would draw us in as a family to care for the Tucson community. I could also see that. It's hard to get a handle on my own teens, and so it's not going to, you know, so it's just hard to say. But yeah. we'll have the space so that at least we can do it in, at some point, yeah. even if it doesn't happen for seven more years. You know, like, yeah. you don't know the timing of God. Yeah, so that's the story of bringing him in and seeing how, like, just, yeah, God just knew that that we were ready. It was the right time. We were home because of COVID. I was homeschooling all the kids. And so we just were together all day, every day. And he, I would homeschool them, and he would just kind of crawl around the room and play with different things. And he just chilled out during all of it, which is a miracle. He is a he's a chill kid unless he's eating. Yeah, he he's doesn't... pretty much in, he, he's got some issues with. Him. Yeah, he, he's got a very refined palate. Oh man, <laughs> that kid! Or sometimes it's just served on the wrong plate, you know, and he wants <laughs> the other plate. But he's got at least fifteen to twenty signs now. Oh wow! So he can sign a lot of things that he wants or needs, which makes a huge difference. That is really cool. Yeah. He's so smart. He's wicked smart. He just picks up on things really fast. His communication. You guys he, may all have to learn sign language. Yeah. yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, we're learning it. Yeah. Thanks to baby signing time. <laughs> and then we try it out on Sue. And Google. You know, it's so now with your phone, like le last night he was pointing to a blanket and there's a fish on it. But then he pointed to the other blanket and there was a planet. I don't know the sign for planet, but apparently you make your... Uh, non-dominant hand like a rock and you make a P with your dominant hand and you rotate it around like the planets are rotating around the sun. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, so we can just learn signs as we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, so. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you, Adrian, for doing this and hopefully we'll hear more of your voice on the podcast. Yes, I look forward to starting up the interviews again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. Well, thanks. <laughs> 
You've been listening to Healing the City Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.